It is the Bill Michaels Show on a cloudless Wednesday here in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. I'm Ben Kenny, in for Bill again today. He is Grant Bills. Grant, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, yes. L- loud and clear. It's working yes. today. Uh, yes. I would like to start today with a public service announcement that this show will begin in a rain delay. I don't know what alternative programming I have ready, like we see on Bally Sports. Some funny uh, old 2008 inside the clubhouse interviews that are being recycled every single time there's a delay. But there were three delays last night, Grant, and the Brewers win over the Twins. So yeah, what should we do? I just thought we should start in a rain delay. I don't really know how we should go about that. We should play Bill Michaels' best of programming. Like his best moments, his best rants. So pick any of the many uh, Packers NFC championship game losses. Just roll his post game show from those. I always, I think it's a missed opportunity. Whenever there's a rain delay, I think Valley Sports Wisconsin or Fox Sports Wisconsin before, you can have so much fun. Just put together old highlight reels of players from 2008. Just dump nostalgia all over the screen and treat it like old sports center. Like it'd be fun, but they always end up rolling some boring like Andrew McCutcheon interview, which they did like two or three times last night. Yeah, it was it was an interesting one, and we'll get into it, but Jason Alexander, a spectacular start for his standards. Another one, I think it is now five of seven of his Another. starts this season have been largely entertaining and largely positive for the Brewers. The other two, kind of disaster, but still, he held it together. He brought the team to win. Uh, Grant, I have found what we should play for the rain delay. We'll give okay. you like 10 seconds of it, and then we'll get into the Brewers' 6-3 win over the Twins. Dom Capers rush three. That was a conservative, <laughs> wuss play call. That really was. I appreciated the game plan coming into this. I watched Dom Capers call a beautiful game, and then he got to that point, and he crapped the bed. He crapped the bed. He you know, went with a prevent defense, and he took away the aggressiveness. And the whole team felt it. The coaching staff crapped the bed right there. I know what that rant is from. I know exactly what night that rant is from. But if you didn't know, I could tell you that that is from any dozen or two dozen <laughs> Packers games over the last decade. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, Dom Capers rushing three in a big moment. Yep, that that fits. That's why that's funny. Or even as someone who has only been on this show for now a year and a couple months, I could even look yeah. back to last season and apply Dom- it, just throw in different names. We hate when a defensive coordinator rushes three. Our our aggression level goes way up. Even if it's not the reason why the defense on a particular play, we're going to get mad. So Jim Swartz, former Eagles defensive coordinator, former Lions head coach, he is the king mm-hmm. of the wide nine. You get four guys rushing the passer, never more. So if it works, then it works. And if it doesn't, it looks really bad. He's one of those guys that on third and 15, third and 18, will play the picket fence defense where he rushes three or four. He throws the other seven guys on the line of scrimmage and just assumes they'll make a tackle. And many times, more than you would expect, they end up giving massive plays and lose games because of it. He he is a great defensive coordinator. He's had a lot of success, won a Super Bowl. But I feel like he would just drive this state crazy if he was at the helm. Well, what's funny, and I want to ask you as an Eagles fan, I've never thought about this, you know, as a long, for a long time, Packers fans, we watched him in Detroit and we just hated him because we hated his defenses. It was Ndamukong Sue, and there were always these moments, you know, between the Packers and the Lions and we hated him. 
but how is he perceived by Eagles fans? I know this isn't on topic, but we're in a rain delay, so I, I think everyone should, <laughs> should be okay, right? During his time, I would definitely say criticized heavily, the same way that in Green Bay, even if the team's winning, the defensive coordinator's probably going to take some heat, especially over the course of Aaron Rodgers' career in the time that I've, you know, closely-ish followed the Packers. Afterwards, looking back at what he did there, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of appreciation. He was a great defensive coordinator. It's just the bad moments are really, really bad. Kind of like what Bill was referring to. He rushes yeah. three. He puts the other eight on the line on the first down line to gain 18 yards down the field. And then somehow the Tennessee Titans with a shell of a quarterback and Corey Davis get four straight first downs in those settings and win in overtime. It's like that happens constantly. Wrapped the bed. Yeah, so there you go. I think now we will return to our regularly scheduled programming. The rain has subsided. I don't know if it subsided in Minnesota because what I saw, I, that looked like some sort of monsoon or like aliens were invading Target Field last night. The pictures of the sky were crazy. The videos of the concourse were hilarious with it flooding, with rain everywhere. As you told me before the show, Grant, it seemed like a lot of the Twins fans just had enough and left. While the Brewers fans, of which there were many, that traveled to the game, obviously stayed because the team was winning and they wanted to see it through. They had to go through three rain delays. So, in all, a very good game for the Brewers last night. They win 6-3. to three. It was a win to me that felt very Brewers. Andrew McCutcheon goes deep early. Willie Adamas goes deep. That's most of their offensive production is those two home yeah. runs. Alexander holds it together. The team adds an insurance run or two. Devin Williams comes in, 24th straight scoreless appearance. Hayter comes in, he saves the game. It felt very Brewers to me. Uh, so the story here is the win. The story is Jason Alexander. And the story that we'll get to is also the Twins trying as hard as they can to ice him by getting into as many rain delays as they can. Is that just some, it's a sign of flattery? Is that how we should look yeah, well, at this? Yeah, I, I tweeted last night, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. That's why Jason Alexander had to put up with three rain delays last night. They were trying to stop him. You can't stop him. You know, you can maybe shorten his start with a, with a couple of delays, but you can't stop him. I think it's very flattering. Not only did the, uh, the twins throw their best punches at Jason Alexander, but Mother Nature as well. And by the way, you mentioned the scene at Target Field. It was bizarre. I spent 15 minutes this morning just scrolling Twitter, looking at all the pictures of the sky from target field last night. It was nuts. I almost wish I was there. And then the concourse started flooding and people were standing in ankle deep water. I almost kind of wish I was at this game. So do I. And many bring up when they see that, especially from this state, they bring up the fact that no, there is not a roof above target field. That is why we saw rain delays when the brewers play at home. I believe they have not had a rain delay in 21, 22 nope. years. So everybody is now bringing up the thing about the roofs. And we're going to get into that a little later. Should every MLB stadium move towards that? Are we more of a fan of the traditional outdoor stadium, which has it, it has downsides, which we saw last night with the rain delays? It's, it's an interesting topic. I, I think it is taking away a little bit from the game. I wanted to come on today first and give praise to Jason Alexander. I have been one to criticize him heavily. And I don't mean this, like, we didn't expect much from him. He's a guy that had never pitched in the majors. He came up because guys were hurt. They needed someone to pitch the innings. And yes, there have been some absolute blow-up starts. And yes, out of the bullpen, it does not look right 
He doesn't look like a bullpen pitcher. But I guess that's what you that's what happens when you put dominant starting pitchers in the bullpen. But overall, <laughs> last night he goes four innings. He gives up two runs, three hits, just one strikeout, two walks, a lot of traffic, but he found his way out of it. And I was looking through. It is now five of seven starts he has gone out there for have been good starts, have been quality for what he is. Either two runs through four, two or three runs through five, a couple runs through six. They weren't those big blow-up starts. So I have reached a point where am I confident when he takes the mound? Absolutely not. Do I still think he's a human cornice of some sorts? A cornice being that little mound above the edge of a mountain where the snow all collects, and then if one little shake happens, it all falls down. He is a couple big hits away from that cornice completely crashing down and everything ballooning. His whip is still 1.7, yet the cornice stayed together last night, and it stayed together for the most part this year. Many props to him. I was a little wrong. I did not think it would go well last night. Can you remind me? I, I can't get over the cornice analogy, which I love, by the way. Well done. You're like a big skiing, hiking mountain family, correct? Correct. Is that why you know that word? That's impressive. I didn't know that word. That's cool. Yeah, it's one of the things I was taught at a young age. I'm sure the same way if you were young and you go out fishing with a parent or a relative mm-hmm. or a friend early in the morning, there are certain features of a lake or a river or wherever you are that you learn when you're young. And they never kind of leave your brain. So whenever you're in that setting again, you know what these little things are called. I wouldn't be able to give examples because I'm not a fisherman. But this cornice thing is the same because we do a lot of hiking while we ski. We're a big kind of hike off trail and figure it out family. So the number one rule of hiking is when you're up on the ridge, you always step to the side of the trail that the cornice is not on. Because when you're up there, it looks like it's all flat snow. It's all safe. However, Mm -hmm. one further step to the right, and you're standing on what really isn't a stable place, and then it all falls down, and you probably die. So we're always taught to step to the side that the cornice is not on. So yes, every time I look at a mountain, I'm a big fan of cornices. I think they're cool. But Mm -hmm. Jason Alexander, Uh, the human cornice. (laughs) Rain delay programming. We're learning about avalanche safety, which I love. Um, I can throw out some fishing terms. You know, we're looking to identify uh, where a drop-off might be, you know, an algal line. We're, we're looking for the change in a weed bed to the sand, maybe a sand flat, something like that. There you uh, go. So I agree with you on your, your fishing analogy. I like Jason Alexander because you need guys like this to get you through the regular season. You know, September might roll around, and we may never talk about this guy again, and that would be fine. But here we are, Ben Kenny talking about Jason Alexander, having a good time and enjoying a Brewers baseball game last night. I cannot believe how many ground balls this guy gets. I just can't (laughs) believe it. He will have the worst at bat. He'll walk a guy on four straight. And then the next guy that comes up will just ground out to third. I mean, how does this man do it? Because I feel like for years, you know, you hear about uh, relievers that come out of the bullpen. Oh, he's a sinker baller. He gets ground balls, which kind of just means they stink and they give up a lot of contact. (laughs) There does seem to be some rhyme or reason on how this guy repeatedly gets ground balls. And you mentioned a couple of the bad starts, and I don't remember who it was against, but the defense wasn't helping him out. You know, if the defense gives up uh, an error here and they miss an opportunity to turn a double play here, well, Jason Alexander is liable to give up a home run like he did last night. The thing was last night, no one was on base, right? So typically even his worst starts aren't completely 100% his fault. Yeah, that was the Cubs game you mentioned. And you look back across his starts, 
June 1st, his first start against the Cubs, two runs through seven. Then against Philly, one run through five. I don't know how in the world he got through that start. One run through four and two-thirds against Washington, two through five and two-thirds against Cincinnati, and then four over five and two-thirds against St. Louis. He moves to the bullpen where he struggles a little bit, and then that Cubs start you mentioned, and then he comes back with this twin start we saw last night. The defense is a huge part of it. I mean, we talk a lot about how this Brewers defense is becoming a little bit concerning. Colton Wong has definitely not been a gold glover at second base. So when you have a guy, you're right, when you have a guy that pitches to this much contact and doesn't miss bats ever, to have guys behind him that are not making plays, it's going to end up in disaster. But I guess the Brewers definitely were able to keep the train together uh, and keep the snow packed down well last night. Uh, it's... It's interesting because I think he's reached the point for me where Chichi Gonzalez, I still never want to see start a game for this team. I'm not confident in them yes. winning. I'm kind of reaching the point, and I'm not going to use the term innings eater because that just means he's a bad pitcher. I'm kind of reaching the point where I'm okay if he starts once every four or five games. I feel like I know what I'm getting, and that's that's probably, a again, we use these terms to make ourselves feel better about guys, right? When I say I know what I'm getting with Jason Alexander, that means I I know that I'm getting a fine start. It's probably not going to be amazing, but he gives this team chances to win. And if the bats get going early as they did last night, that typically means they're going to continue to hit throughout the game. And who knows? Maybe if the rain doesn't hit, Alexander goes another inning or two last night. We're talking about a really awesome starting performance when Hauser couldn't do that. No. Right? We act like Jason Alexander's a scrub. When was the last time Adrian Hauser gave us a Jason Alexander quality start? I could probably it's find that answer, but I don't know off the top of my head, which tells you enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on Chi Chi. Uh, that guy sucks. We don't need more. <laughs> we don't need more than one fun storyline guy in the starting rotation. We have ours with Jason Alexander. Uh, we don't need Chi Chi as well. Yeah. His, his cornice had collapsed. My buddy yeah. is a twins fan texted me last night and I relayed this to you on the twins broadcast when they did the pitcher preview introduction of what Alexander would bring. They put up stats of each of his pitches, the percent of time he throws them, and what opponents bat off them. And this is insane that Alexander is holding it together with an ERA of 4.73. He throws his sinker 57% of the time, hence a lot of the ground balls. Opponents are hitting, entering last night, 378 off it. 378! And that's also without missing bats afterwards. It's remarkable what he's been able to do. And that's not a bad Twins lineup. Like That's a first-place Twins lineup that he just did that against. Buxton and Correa are really... I mean, he got Buxton in a couple of huge spots last night. Uh, there was an at-bat where I think he walked the guy in front of Buxton, and then Buxton comes up, or maybe it was even Boxberger later, and we can talk about how good Boxberger and Williams and uh, Hayter were too, but they were able to keep Buxton really quiet last night, even after falling behind in a couple of the at-bats. Um, I was just really impressed. The Twins offense is very good, and I forgot that. And a couple of times throughout the game last night, I mean, man, there are a couple of sticks in the middle of this lineup, and they did pretty well, Jason Alexander included. I think there also is something to be said, and I have no real explanation for this. It makes no sense. But like how we talk about with Corbin Burns, how he never gets run support because he is so good for some reason. Is there a sense of complacency there? I don't know. But the offense always seems to wake up for Jason Alexander starts. And it started before Alexander even took them out. Kutch goes deep, top first, to give them a 2 nothing lead. It feels like they always come and they always hit when he is going to pitch. I guess because they know they need some run support. 
I don't know how to explain that really. Is it a question of leadership? Maybe Jason Alexander is a better leader and motivator of men than Burns or Woodruff. Wow. I don't know how we could. <laughs> I, I'm trying to make that. A, I can't. Um, but I, I I remember on Jason Alexander's first start, I think Chichi Gonzalez, when he first started too, gave up a couple of runs in the first, and the offense comes up in the bottom of the first, gets all the runs right back, right? Because the bats have been up for most of these starts. And I just wonder what Woodruff and Burns think when they're going seven scoreless and they can't get a win to save their life and the offense is showing up for these scrubs. Yeah. All right. Eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. We're talking brewers. They are back in action today at 1210. I have some semi breaking news about whether one of their stars, their middle or top of the lineup stalwarts, whether he will be playing in today's game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the whole thing with roofs and baseball all coming up next. 877-867-1670. Have you turned the corner on Jason Alexander? I'm starting to. I'm not totally there. But we're taking steps in that direction to be kind of okay mentally when he takes the mound. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. More coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. showers and with some intensity which we obviously saw so just one of those nights and you just kind of had to turn it off turn it on I think that's the just keeping turning it on and turning your concentration on again um, is probably the most challenging part good win for the Brewers last night six to three over the Minnesota Twins they win the Cardinals also pick up a win so still a two-game difference between them at the top of the NL Central Grant, we're talking about Jason Alexander here, and my outlook is changing as the days go by. One other guy who's trending a little bit is actually someone that you said you've started to grow tired with yesterday, and that is Willie Adamas. Yesterday, he goes one for three with a walk, a two-run homer, a massive one that you just heard the TV call there of, but now you look, suddenly, five-game hitting streak in the last week. He's raised his average from... A an abysmal 207 to 218. The OPS is going up from 738 to 778. So 40 point swing there. He's starting to maybe trend a little bit and turn the corner. So I think my frustration with Willie Adamas is when people tell me he's having an amazing season. You know, he's hitting for power. He's getting all these home runs. It's like, well, yes. But then I watch this team every night, and there's always a couple Willie Adamas at bats that just suck. He just doesn't really give himself a chance at the plate and a lot of his home runs. And maybe this is me seeing what I want to see because I'm frustrated with him and I'm frustrated with the Brewers offense. But the way I've seen it the last couple of weeks, he hits a lot of solo shots. He hits a lot of home runs late in games that don't matter. And then when he has chances with guys on, he typically doesn't come through. Now, last night, his home run was obviously huge uh, and was a big reason why the Brewers had breathing room. And if this game gets called, you know, or they bring it back tomorrow, they have this comfortable, you know, three or four run lead. I need to probably be a little bit more positive about Willie Thomas. Yesterday, I think I was being a little whiny. Um, 
but the home the home runs are there. The at-bats need to be a little bit better. And I think they were last night. I, I don't want home run or bust with him. I need a little bit more. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, I've said a lot of his underlying numbers tells you that better numbers are to come. He has been yes. hitting the ball better than his 218 or 207 at the time. Average says, tough day last night for the camera operators. Did you see that Adamas home? Do you understand where that landed? No, I thought it left the park. So did I. It was so zoomed out. I, it just They made it look like an absolute bomb. It might have landed in the first row above the fence. I, I don't know. Well, the TV guy also had suspense as if there was a question as to whether it would leave the ballpark. And then you look up and it's, I mean, when you saw it left the bat, it looked gone. And then it's out of the ballpark. The call was more of, oh, we'll see. It's going back to the wall. Oh, it happens to be out of the entire stadium. Top yeah, because no one saw where it landed. No, the home run power was there. McCutcheon early on. McCutcheon's a good player. When we're upset about the Brewers, I feel like we take it out on McCutcheon. Have you noticed this? When the Brewers are playing poorly, we'll just say, oh, the only the only guy that got was Andrew McCutcheon this offseason, who's a million years old, and he is old, but he's been one of their better bats, and he typically is a pretty complete hitter with good at bats. Another guy who we should shout out, Ben, before we hear from Council or talk about roofs or anything, um, Jace Peterson last night, a little small ball, infield single, <laughs> battling for a walk. Like, this dude just gives himself chances at the plate. He had two hits and a walk. He scored a run. I... I just really like Jace Peterson, and I texted you about it last night. They win because of the home runs. Those were the big plays, but let's not forget Jace Peterson, where Luis Urias had four strikeouts last night, terrible at bats. Jace Peterson was awesome, just scrapping and getting on base, and this team really needs that. Yeah, he was two for three last night. His batting average of those that are regulars is actually now second on the team only to Andrew McCutcheon who's hitting 256. Yeah. Peterson up to 251. Good at-bats there. I think you glossed over the reason this team scored runs, or so I've been told, is that in the first inning, Rowdy Telez comes up to the, to the plate. There is a massive shift on the right side, and he tried to bunt down the left side. D- it didn't work, <laughs> but he tried, and then that then led yeah, to the McCutcheon it, home run. It set the vibe for the rest of the night. It was a signal to everyone else that we were not in the Twin Cities to mess around. Uh, I think that was, it was more so a signal to everyone else. Now I, they scored runs and they won because of the home runs, but Jace Peterson, Jonathan Davis doing a couple things at the bottom of the order. We should recognize that too. Yeah. Johnny Davis, definitely. Whenever you get that really at this point for this team, whenever you get contributions from the center field position, you're pretty ecstatic about it, no matter what they look like. So in that setting, yeah, Davis definitely come through big RBI single. So Craig council after the game and, uh, we're going to get to the Devin Williams thing later. I'll save his Devin Williams comment as well as hater. They were both terrific last night. Williams has been pretty much unhittable now for months since that rough start where his command wasn't great, but council, you know, a lot has been made of the roof of the rain delays. Here's what he had to say about the challenging part of having to go into multiple delays throughout the game. And there was just this threat of rain and quick pop-up showers and with it some intensity, which we obviously saw. So just one of those nights, and you just you kind of had to turn it off, turn it on. I think that's the just keeping turning it on and turning your concentration on again um, is probably the most challenging part. So, Grant, I don't have the exact timing of all of the delays. I can confidently say, though, it is not easy as a starting pitcher to have to go through those. Most of the time, if it hits 45 minutes, we see that pitcher leave the game. They have to go find someone else from the bullpen. So 
Alexander lasted through two of them, correct? Well, yeah, he's built different. Yeah, so I mean, I, he's, he's just on another level. I mean, we're, we're throwing out credit, and this could all backfire the next time he goes on the mound, but more, more impressive, as Council noted, the fact that you have to start, you have to stop, you have to go back, given the fact that it was just dumping cats and dogs and then stopping and then starting again, uh, seemingly never-ending. He said the add-on runs also were very important after the rain delays. It's big. I think, um, you know, we're, we went to the bullpen early so to, to get some space for, you know, Hobie's inning. We're really going to be able to stick with Hobie a little bit there. Um, and he got himself out of it, but that, that's because of those add-on runs. Insurance runs, yes, they happen to come by the long ball. A big home run by Willie Adamas, as you were talking about, Grant. Council also said it's tough to manage with unpredictable weather from his position in the dugout. You get in trouble trying to play, you know, manage along with the weather, I think. So we did the best we could, and our, our guys did a good job. That's what, that's what helped us out. And finally, he said the umpires are in a tough spot with the weather and when to delay the game. <clears throat> Probably talking a little bit about the Twins manager who tried to petition for rain delays. That I have not seen very often, but here's, yeah. here's Craig Council. You know, the umpires are in a tough spot. They're told that it's going to rain hard for 10 to 15 minutes. The hard rain comes. He makes the call. Then the, then the radar changes. So it, that's just weather. You can't do anything about it. So we're going to take a quick break coming up here. But when we come back, a informed and cal- we're going to keep this calm today. We're staying calm. It's a beautiful Wednesday in Wisconsin. The Brewers won. There is no reason to get worked up. But we're going to stay calm here. We're going to talk about roofs in baseball. The Twins don't have one. There were three rain delays last night. The Brewers do. Haven't had a rain delay in 21 years. Should more teams have roofs? Is this something that is kind of said as a joke but should legitimately be something? We'll tell you what we think next. 877-867-1670. We'll hit your calls too. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You got to hit it, make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Welcome back in. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills are in for Bill today. A lot of Brewers chatter. They are back in action at 12-10 today. That game, Grant, only available on YouTube. We're back uh, to the streaming wars of 2022. Some news to note, though. I mentioned this entering a couple breaks ago. Christian Yelich, he was out of the lineup last night. His back had flared up during his activation exercises, are the words that I read. He will also be missing today's game, but feels better and will be back for the San Francisco series. That came out earlier today, and now recently, the Milwaukee Brewers tweet out that the team has selected Connor Sadzek from AAA Nashville and optioned infielder Keston Hira down to AAA Nashville. Now, Kurt Hogg of the Journal Sentinel notes that the Brewers have had Sadzek in town on the taxi squad for some time, so they felt like they needed another arm for at least the time being entering the All-Star break. We have seen a lot of strain on the bullpen as of late, especially without those really good burn starts throughout this week, right? Alexander goes four innings. You need a lot from the pen. Keston Hira, though, in his last 14 days, Grant, hitting 381 on base of 480, uh, slugging, excuse me, of 714. He's been crushing the ball, one of the hottest hitters on the team. 
but he's only 10th in plate appearances at that time. And we saw Hunter Renfro come back from injury last night. So I this could be one of those, like, isn't much playing time there for him. And I don't necessarily know why. He's hitting righties really well. He seems to at least be finding somewhat of a groove. It's an interesting decision here. Yeah, it's very, very council-esque. Um, I was thinking about this over the commercial break, and I actually thought of Mike Zimmer, the way in which Mike Zimmer just kind of hated whatever quarterback he had. Like, hmm. I, I think Mike Zimmer would rather I wonder have, why. Yeah, I, I think Mike Zimmer would rather have a bunch of defensive players, even if they stink, <laughs> than have one quarterback. I kind of feel that way about council. He's like, oh, I can have a C-minus reliever or Keston here. Give me the reliever every time. I feel like Craig Council would play these games without any like bats if he had the option. And I always thought that about <laughs> Zimmer. It's not a perfect comp, but it's maybe kind of similar. Council loves his arms. That makes sense. He is addicted to managing the bullpen. And he's very good at it. Can we Brewers fans? Let's let's cool a little bit. He's good like, at it we've... until last Saturday when he pulled Brandon Woodruff too late from that game. That I will stand by. That oh, was a bad decision. Oh, so now. So now council leaves his starters in too long. Okay. I don't know when we switched off of the over manages and pull pulls guys too early, but no, no, I'm a council guy. I thought that situation should have been overmanaged more. We talked about the, a lot about that on Monday. That was Saturday. The guy that yeah. they just called up Connor Sadzak has not pitched in the majors since 2019 when he was with Seattle 2.66 ERA in 20 games for them out of the bullpen. And then the year before, he was in Texas, 0.96 ERA. He is 6'7", 235, so that should be at least entertaining. I, yeah. I'm trying to find... Uh, he's 30 years old. There it is. 30 years old. Not much big league experience. But yeah, it could just be the bullpen's been taxed recently. Uh, we know Hayter is not going to be participating in the All-Star game, but he's been pitching a lot. Williams has been pitching a lot. We've seen recently a lot of the longer relief guys, especially on Sunday, be tasked with going deep into ball games. But yeah, you look at Keston Hira, I mean, since the start of July, that is, he, he has participated in six games where he has regularly hit, sitting 381, as I mentioned, 480 on base, OPS 1194, <clears throat> excuse me. He's been one of the hottest hitters. So maybe a little curious, I think. I would like to see him because... We talk all about how this lineup can get better and how there can be more X factors there. I would like to see him try to continue this role. Uh, yes, me too. And as poorly as Colton Wong has been playing, like, and I don't need Jonathan Davis out there. Jonathan Davis is fine, but I feel like we can carve out a role for Keston here. Maybe not play every day. Maybe he isn't going to get four or five at bats every day, but I don't... I don't necessarily agree with the idea that he can't have playing time. Like Jonathan Davis is getting starts and Colton Wong is getting a bunch of playing time. I feel like we can carve out a little role for Keston here with how well he's been hitting. Yeah, I'm with you. So there's the move. Now, I I guess we'll table the roof thing for a bit. We need time. We need to let this one breathe because it's yes. something that people are very passionate about. I understand why. It's It's something that is often talked about whenever there is a delay anywhere in April when it snows because baseball starts too early. Everyone complains about it, or at least Brewers fans go on and look down upon those who do not have a roof. I think it's an interesting discussion because there are pros, there are cons. Last night was a clear con. The lineup is out for today's Brewers-Twins game, not on the Milwaukee side, 
I think they're still working some things out there. But Byron Buxton will lead off for the Cubs today. Carlos Correa hits second. Jorge Polanco third. Kyle Garlick, their right fielder, hits fourth. Jose Miranda, first base, hits fifth. Gio Urshela, former Yankee, hitting sixth at third base. They have Ryan Jeffers behind the plate, hitting seventh. Alex Kirilov hitting eighth. And Gilberto Celestino in center field, hitting ninth. Really, nobody on their team, Grant, has any experience against Aaron Ashby, the Brewers starter today. Byron Buxton's faced him three times. Ryan Jeffers twice. Jorge Polanco twice. Combined in those seven at-bats, they have one hit, but no sample size to go off there. No Brewer has ever faced Joe Ryan. So just like yesterday, where we didn't really know what to expect with the guy the Twins had out there and Alexander on the Brewers' side, this is one of those games as well, where... These are, I definitely, Ashby has struggled a little bit recently. Joe Ryan has pitched really well this season, but there's no experience. There's no track record to necessarily look at. It'll be an interesting one. Didn't Joe Ryan hit the game winner for the Celtics summer league team the other night? Matt Ryan. Wait, no, no, no. That was Matt Ryan. My bad. I had never heard of either of these twin starters before the series began. Like who the hell are these guys again? I am all in for a nice, long Aaron Ashby start today. If he starts to struggle in the second or third inning and council needs to start managing to help him out or, or bring in relief guys early, it's going to be a long afternoon. It's going to be a lot of ugh, rubbing my forehead, shaking my head. Count, by the way, how pissed did council look in the dugout last night? Every, I swear, every walk that one of his pitchers had or Holby Milner hit a couple of guys in the sixth and council's in the bullpen or in the dugout just like, Oh, my God. I, you could tell he was just stressed last night. It looks like he's aging before our eyes. The same way that Matt Rule in Carolina looks like yeah. he has aged 15 <laughs> years in the last one while Sean McVay has gone backwards somehow on the age scale. I feel like Council's aging before our eyes in those settings. And, I mean, when you pitch Jason Alexander, I expect there to be some stress there in the dugout. Yeah, Council does age, but he still looks pretty darn good. I'll defend my guy counts. He he looks young and with it. Like Rocco coming out last. I mean, shave your beard, buddy. Come on, tighten it up. <laughs> I, I don't know. The aesthetic for Craig Council, much better than the one for Rocco. Whereas Rocco comes out to argue with the umps. I don't take him seriously. Council comes out to the to the umpire to make a case or whatever. I take him. He, he's got this aesthetic. I take him seriously. Yeah, and he does it so rarely. I have never yeah. been a fan of Rocco Baldelli. He was on that Tampa Bay Rays team in 2008. That played the Phillies in the World Series. And for some reason, he just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, there were guys on that team. I loved Carlos Pena. I liked uh, Evan Longoria. Ben Zobrist was fine. I just could not get over Rocco Baldelli. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. The beard, the whole thing last night. He just kind of, it's going to sound mean. He looks kind of like a, like a nerd. Like a loser. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll get these out on the air before we pick up stations at 11. Yeah. Uh, before you trash the city things. of Green Bay, just to realize that there are probably <laughs> affiliates in that area. Yeah. Uh, Bill's got to send me a map when we do this. <laughs> I need to know exactly where we're on. 877-867-1670. What'd you think of the game last night? Where are you at with Keston Hira being sent down by the club today? You mentioned someone who may look a little questionable, Grant. There was somebody in attendance at last night's game that was introduced and got a smattering of cheers and boos somewhere down the middle. I'll tell you who it is when we come back. 
and whether the home crowd really should give that warm welcome. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, welcome back in. It's the Bill Michaels Show. I am Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills here with you on this Wednesday. Bill Michaels will be back on Monday when he comes back from vacation. Saw some great vacation pictures up there. He is down at a lake I do not know the name of in a state I am not sure of, but he is definitely enjoying himself. Excited to come back. I'm sure all of the Roger slander that's being thrown around by Nick Wright and, you know, all the big talking heads. We'll address that in the coming weeks. We'll get to some Rogers talk today, though. I have a segment outlined for it, but does, gr- go. Does Bill not feel bad at all about missing Jason Alexander talk? <laughs> I think I think at this point in the show, we would have spent at least 45 minutes on the different ways you can break a cornice. He would have gotten really deep into that thought. <laughs> What's the most common way that a cornice is broken? Do you know? Well, the way that they manage avalanches is when you're in a take away your Wisconsin mountain, which obviously no avalanche danger there. Take away your East Coast mountain where there really isn't any danger, but go to the West mm-hmm. Coast. The way they manage it is they set off. It's really old school, but they they shoot shells like old old blanks uh-huh. with big blasts like cannon blasts, and that sends a shock wave through it, which breaks down whatever cornice or the snow lying on top of the pack snow, which slides down that would have otherwise broke off in an avalanche if someone skied by. So that's avalanche control. Some of it is a little more precise where they go put actual explosives in the snow. They hike all the way up, put it in and then go and and blast it. It's really cool to watch and hear, but that is how cornices are often broken. Hopefully not usually by people uh, because Hmm. that usually is quite catastrophic. 877 867 Let's go to the phones. Line one. You're in the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? How's it going, guys? It's Dan. Hey, what's going on, Dan? What's going on? I just had to call in to tell Grant that I, since I bashed him enough on the show before this one, that uh, I had to to call to tell you that I agree with you with – with the play, your playoff analogy of, hey, you know what? It's the playoffs. We'll see what happens. We have the pitching. We can't hit. But, again, if you get, and as I was talking to those guys, you get a couple guys on and hit one out of here and uh, Burns and Woodruff do your do their thing, we're on to the next round. So I just wanted to say that I, I agreed with your take on Tuesday that uh, you never know what happens in the playoffs. This is fact. That's very this honorable. Uh, of you to come on and agree. I have to ask you, you're a Brewers fan, correct? I am. Do you think that every stadium around baseball should have a roof? Good. Ooh. Um, God. That's a tough question. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go yes. Wow. Yesterday was kind of awful. That's All right. Tough. I'm I'm very I'm very close on that. But yesterday was awful because listening to Dillard talk on each of those i just want to just <laughs> slam my face into the, uh, a bar it's absolutely wow. awful listening to that man but that sounds like a different problem for you than necessarily the fact that it was raining 
and the rain delay. That just sounds like you're not a fan of something else. Yeah, I could have changed the channel. You're right. I could have just switched it. But uh, it takes I a lot of work, that, though. Yeah. I'm with you. It's hard to. It's hard once you don't know yeah. where the remote is and you're already on a baseball game. <laughs> it's hard to get in a yeah. different zone. I'm with you. Well, and I had I had I had Netflix going on the other TV, so I mean I was I was kind of like you know watching that, and then um, I'm just just looking at Dillard makes me cringe because. I just can't. I can't stand that guy to speak. So wow, interesting. Uh, that but is... yeah, no, it's tough. It was tough. It was a tough night. It was tough. But I'm here. I made it. I'm moving on. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm 51 percent uh, of having a dome. All right, I'm with you. Appreciate it, Dan. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. The reason he wants a roof may be different than the reason that some others may want one. But that's what we're hitting when we come back from break. I think a poll might go out there. If you had either or, either all roofs or no roofs. So that means every single stadium, including Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, all that stuff, they find a way to put a roof on it. Or all of the roofs that do exist, they take them away. It's provocative, Grant. Can I? Okay, first of all, I love what you're doing. I love that. We need a Twitter poll. Here's my concern. I feel like if we ask folks if every park should have a roof or none should have a roof, we're missing the point. Now, I will give a teaser of my opinion on this topic because it's pertinent here. I like that every ballpark is different. That's what's cool. Like you guys don't have a roof. We have a roof. And that's part of why it's fun. Right. So I like, that's my stance. I don't think it should be uniform. You know what I mean? Yes. I think that but maybe is, that's not the point of the poll question. So that's fine. I do think that is a terrific point. I think the more you try to change the ballparks that are, yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it coming up after the top of the hour. I think that's a terrific point. So maybe that poll will go out. It will not be the center point of the discussion, though, if it came down to it. I think we'll choose sides there. I mentioned it quickly going into break, though. At Target Field last night, do you know who was in attendance and, quote, just got as many boos as he did cheers when introduced on the big screen? Zadarius Smith? P.J. Fleck. Oh, I knew that. I heard about that this morning. Speaking of people that are dressed questionably... And I, I mean, I would hope the welcome, I would assume the welcome would be kind of warm if it's a home game in Minnesota, yet we know how many Brewers fans were there. I would still hope there reaches a point where even the people in Minneapolis start to realize his facade is complete crap and start to realize he's just a used car salesman that's selling you a car that's going to break down. Did you not ask Zach Heilprin to come on and talk about PJ Fleck today? I feel like he'd be chomping at the bit to get in on this. I will. I'll, I'll text him. We'll get to the bottom of that. Uh, 877-867-1670. Real quick, line one. You're on the Bill Michael Show. Who do we got? This is Vagabond John. How's it going, guys? John, what's up? What's on your mind? Yes, every stadium should have a roof. And, well, first of all, to explain why I'm calling in for the second time in two hours, I'm in between jobs this week. I'm incredibly bored, and you guys are getting me through it. So thank you. But... Yes, every stadium should have a roof in baseball. And the reason is simply they should be retractable roofs, first of all, like Milwaukee, because then it's a, you get the best of both worlds. Because what we're talking about here is that beautiful summer day where it's sunny and 75 and the roof is open, you still have an open roof. Uh, if it's yeah. raining, the game is not getting played. The opposite is not true. It's simply if you don't have the roof, you don't get baseball. 
Yeah, but then there's there's a little bit of rain in the forecast, and they close it, and then it doesn't rain, and That's it's a, a sweat issue. box. That's it's, a brewer's issue. I got you, John. I appreciate it. Call back a little later. We'll be talking about this for a while. Got to hit this break up here. Uh, we're going to hit this when we come back because there were three rain delays last night in Minnesota. The Brewers have a roof. The Twins do not. The concourse was flooded. The people were wet. We're talking about roofs and baseball. Coming up next, it's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.